NPM Run Podcast. NPM Run Podcast. Welcome. We are episode three. Three. Yeah. Or one point one point three. C. One day we're gonna have to figure out a numbering scheme, but that's not today because today is the third issue episode volume of authentication and authorization. Woo. Yeah. So we. Ta- I mean, we we've, we've talked about a lot about authentication. Mm-hmm. And we talked about jots last time. You are still on that. I'm still on that. I don't get it. Um, I don't get the popularity. But. Y- yeah. yeah. Um, then we have talked about authorization a fair bit too. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe not a fair bit. But, uh, I mean, authorization, which is are you allowed to do the thing that you want to do, mm-hmm. is is. I, I think that there's there's a little bit more flexibility. There's a little more uncertainty on when you're developing an app. Where do you actually do that? I mean, certainly authentication is going to happen uh, when you log in, or sometimes on every single uh, request. You know, it's kind of it starts a process, um, and the session maintains the process. The session maintains the process. Right? Sure. I mean, if you look at your directory structure of your application and your routers and your controllers and your or your handlers or whatever you've got your services and this that and the other thing where does authorization go where do you actually decide yes you can you can you know play with this cat picture or download that other cat picture because really this is all about cat pictures i agree yeah. or bacon pictures or bacon. what uh there's a place bacon placeholder website you go to weird sites uh, and then there's the version that gives you bacon the food, and there's the version that gives you Kevin Bacon. Definitely prefer the latter, I guess. <laughs> All right. So, um, so I mean, I I think that that you know where you put authorization is is especially if you if you're kind of architecting an application for the first time on your own, or you know you're pretty experienced. That's it's a big question. It is. It is. And uh, like so many things, I personally lean towards rely on your framework, right? Whatever your framework of choice is, if it has an answer for you, stick with that. Yeah. Um, because um, almost all frameworks are going to have made that decision because authorization and authentication is such a central part of any web application. They're going to have that built for you. But Alan, like so many people, I use Express, and Express says, "Do what you want." Express says, "Do what you want," but it also has many packages and conventions for handling authentication. Sure, but a lot of them are, are you can you, you can drop them in, but they do different things in different ways. That's true. Yeah. And given its nature of make a stack of choices, walk through the stack of choices, it can get really fuzzy, especially for things that aren't global, right, yeah. or like super broadly applicable. Yeah. Um, talk through some of the things that you think have worked really good for you, or maybe some of the things that have not worked good for yeah. you in Expressland. Well, so, all right. So in Expressland, a lot of times I'm making like a REST API, um, and you know, going back to authorization, you, you're you the 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 user are requesting some resource, and you're going to do something to it. And the nice thing about a REST 
API is you know the path that you request in you in your URI or URL. Um, I know there's a distinction between the two. I just forget when to use which. Um, uh, and the resource that you want are you know it, it's kind of one to one. You you you've got a path that your router uses in order to figure out what handler or or controller to 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 fire up, and that URI also represents a resource. So you've got a really neat place to piggyback your um, uh, your authorization that keeps all of your authorization code in one place. So you can have a router, especially in Express, that makes it pretty easy. You have a router that's listening on the same um, uh, paths, the same uh, URIs as your resources are, but instead of delivering up those resources, it's just making a decision. So you can, it's a really easy place to put that authorization code. So if you, if you are requesting slash resource slash one, you know, ID one of whatever your resource is, the first thing that Express would run is your, um, authorization handler. So the, and that, that, ha that router happens is, is, is earlier in, in kind of the, the stack than, than your, your handlers. So, you know, in REST APIs, that's that's really convenient. You can put all, all that stuff there. It doesn't really work for, like, RPC, where there isn't such a, a, a tight um, coupling between the resource you're asking for and the URL or the router. So whenever I can, I like to piggyback off of the router and just stick all that in the router. Um, but you were, you were telling me about, you know, kind of a different different thing that you might want to do sometimes with authorization, like with queries that you know, I've done too, but it, it's, 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 it's a completely different animal. Sure. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, we can go down a couple different branches here. Um, let's just, let's stick with the idea of stuff it in the router or stuff it in other places in your code. And, uh, there's, there's obviously no right answer. And oftentimes I find myself doing both. Um, There's no right answer, but there are a ton of wrong answers. <laughs> yeah, anything that allows an unauthorized person to get to the resource is the wrong answer. That's a wrong Everything answer. else is yeah. the right answer. Um, I, uh, I also many times will apply at least a layer of authorization at the router because it is so convenient, mm -hmm. especially if you have a branching router where you like have root level routes that then break out into sub routes that maybe break out into sub sub routes. Mm -hmm. Every layer, layer of that branch. That's not the right way. Every branch on that tree. There you go. <laughs> um, can be isolated with an authorization check of mm -hmm. some sort. Um, which is great, right? Um, but there are times when uh, either you're not using a router or the router check doesn't have sufficient information or functionality at the point of the route load. Um, and then you need to check other resources that maybe don't exist in state or that, um, like I said, if you don't have a router. Um, oftentimes, uh, if you're thinking about model view controller frameworks, you drop that stuff into the controller. The controller's job is honestly kind of a router. You're stitching together models and business logic and trying to do a bare minimum to get rendered out to a view, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the general principle of a model view controller framework, skinny controllers. Um, but the authorization fits in the controller. Maybe it has to go get data from other models or other resources that make the choice of whether or not you're authorized. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you're, you're trying to uh, apply a little bit of business logic, given all the resources that are required to make a choice. Can I see it or can I not? Yeah. 
Um, yeah. But then you've got controllers that are doing a number of things. You know, not only are they applying access control, and you know, I get when I get sometimes you 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 do this because it's 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 convenient and it it, it kind of makes sense given the, the the architecture you've chosen. But it, you know, it just it kind of bugs me because it's it's applying access control. It's uh, uh, getting information about you and your request from the request. Uh, and then it's firing off uh, uh, some other handler or calling in services. And it seems like a lot for um, just, you know, a little controller, which if you can make it thinner, make it thinner. Um, so it's, you know, if, if I ever have to do that, I'm always looking for some, some way that I can, I can take that authorization and put it someplace else, someplace in its own, its own little compartment where it's with all the other logic that does authorization. So six months from now, when I've forgotten everything that, that I intended to write today, I can look in one place and find my, yeah. my, so my policies. A, a global config approach as opposed to putting little nuggets of configuration or logic yeah. scattered throughout your code, broken out into modules. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no one right answer. Um, I've yeah. I've used both architectures and I've cursed both and and been happy with both. <laughs> uh, I end up using a mix of both most of the time. Right, right. I think probably the thing that 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 forces you to decide what model of authorization or what what strategy of authorization you're going to use is the amount of time you have left before the project is due. Yeah, or the amount of time you cursed yourself the last time doing it that way. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Um, so we talked about where to put your code and stuff, but let's talk just a, a bit about what the authorization code is. Um, uh, if you retrieve, say, a document from a database and you have that document an application state, maybe your authorization check is, can I see this document? Yeah. Right. I've got the document. I've got the user from the session. Do they match? Am I good? Right. right? And that's a yes, no. Um, maybe your authorization check is, can I edit this document, which is different from can I see it, or can I delete it, or can I add children, or can I see the private fields of this document mm -hmm. and not the public fields, right? So there's a bunch of like yes, no, or like true-false type checks that you're doing. Um, By neither. Either you can do it or you can't. Exactly, but at different levels and different checks, yeah. all on the same document. Right. So that's the sort of complex thing that you have to figure out in business logic for every document type that you're going to allow these operations on. Um, and then we've got the other side of that, which is querying for documents, um, which we were talking about a little bit earlier. That's the idea of um, given my set of permissions, what can I find in the database? You can't do it in the same way because I don't have the document in front of me to check the attributes on. Yeah. So instead of checking a bunch of attributes and saying true or false, I instead have to take the database query and manipulate that query so that it then can select only the documents for which I have permissions, right. which is wildly different. So, so for example, if I, if I want a query that basically says, give me a list of all users, but I only have permission to see the list of users and, you know, House Gryffindor, then, then you need to change the query to say, give me a list of all users in House Gryffindor so I don't see things that I'm not allowed to. That's right. But yeah. but perhaps that query is coming from a client-side request, yeah. right? The client-side request maybe doesn't even know that you're restricted to, client, to House Gryffindor. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a white-label type situation right. where 
the things that you're restricted to are not visible, mm-hmm. right? Right. Which is often the case, especially with complex query structures. Right, because otherwise you could say, well, hey, I've got two different types of queries. One is give me a list of all users, and the other is give me a, a list of all users in House Gryffindor. And the give me a list of all users, you could just flat out reject and, and go back to the yes, no. Right, which would be awesome, right? That would be great. Then yeah. your, your uh, is authorized is pretty darn simple because it's always going to be consistent. It's not... It's not going to be calculate what I have access to. Instead, it's going to be given this endpoint or this resource or whatever, do I have access, mm-hmm. which is a, a simpler thing. And right. It's much more static and easier to test. Right. Yeah. You're treating a you're treating a, um, a query like it's a resource itself. Right. For sure. Which is awesome. That's a, yeah. that's a good structure. Right. Um, but sometimes you can't do that. Sometimes the resource criteria is too complex for that. Mm-hmm. Um for for like the yes no that's it at the door thing right at least in my mind because like we we come into situations where when we manipulate a query to add all of the filters for the things that I have permissions to right if the things that I have permissions to is everything it's just straight through right mm-hmm. um, if the things that I have permissions to is like everything in House Gryffindor it's also pretty simple right, right. like that's one thing to add to the, sometimes it's like if I'm in this with this role, if I'm in this with this role and in this with this role, but not with this role. Right. Right. Like sometimes it gets pretty complex and all of that has to be stuffed into a fairly complex segment or fragment of a query that you're going to ask a database for. And the query can handle that. Oh, like, sorry, the database can handle that. The right. database knows how to translate all of that stuff that you hand it. But creating the stuff is complex. Right. So, so like, for example, if, if, if you were asking, give me a list of all, all you have permission for users in House Gryffindor, except if their last name is Potter, uh, but you also have access to users in House Slytherin uh, if they wear pointy hats on Tuesdays, but not Wednesdays. And, and your criteria, the, the more complex your criteria gets. Right, right, right. Or the, how about everybody who is currently in Dumbledore's army? Right. Right. And that's a thing that changes, and mm-hmm. I don't know who's in Dumbledore's army until I do a database query to look mm-hmm. it up. Right? It, yeah. 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 So the prospect of some of these permission checks and or query manipulations for authorization can be somewhat expensive. Right. So you have mentioned that it'd be cool to just validate the query because the client sends you the query or, you know, whatever your input is, whatever input sends you the query complete, and you're like, yep, that's valid, you got access, or nope, that's not valid, you don't have access. Mm -hmm. But the process of checking the query sometimes requires you to build the whole query out. It's not like, does it have an org, right? It has to be, does it have an org to which you have permissions? And perhaps, does it have an org to which you have permissions to view right now? Right. Right? And sometimes those logical steps are expensive to to create and compile and perhaps private. Therefore, you cannot assemble the query on the client. The client can only send to you various information, and you have to assemble that security layer on the query on the server, at which point it's already assembled and trusted, so you don't really have to send it through a different authorization check. It's it's there. The process of building the query is the authorization check. Right. So so like if, if you've got very, very simple queries, give me a list of all users versus give me a list of all users in house Gryffindor. You you, you have a handful of possible query um uh resources. 
But as you add complexity to that, at some point, it becomes more time consuming to request to require that your client request the right query than it does to just alter the query to, to, to match the, the permissions. And then whatever that crossover point is, is that you're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. Though you, you make a good point that it it closely couples your business logic in with a lot of other things that yeah. you might not want it to. Because now, now you've got your whatever's firing off your query needs to know enough about your authorization right. process to, to you know. Yeah, yeah. So what I've currently got is like this, I guess, permissions constellation. Like mm-hmm. imagine a spreadsheet, right? And like you've got columns for actions that you can take and columns for, oh, sorry, what do you have? You have columns for types of there are columns somewhere <laughs> and rows for actions you can take or something yeah. like that. Right. And there a bunch of checkboxes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that constellation is like the global config of permissions. Mm-hmm. And I take that and I process it into functions um, that are checkers for a document. Can this user edit this document? Right. Can this user delete this document? That sort of thing. Right. Um, and then the other side of that is I take that same constellation or configuration and map it to a transformation function for a query. And it says um, it knows how to unroll those permissions into query structs. So it's the same sort of configuration of who can do what in one place. Mm-hmm. And then two different manipulations of that configuration data to generate a whole bunch of checker functions and generate a single query inject my permission structure onto it. Constellation is a good word for that. <laughs> I think that's probably yeah. an accurate one. Well, you know, one thing we haven't we haven't considered is like like if you've got a, a query, I mean, if there's a way to abstract a query object so that it is a collection of of attributes and properties that don't necessarily have a lot to do with your your specific domain, but but can be checked with some standardized rules, then you could take that that. You could take the logic for manipulating your query outside of the logic to, you know, request the resource. It's kind and of an awesome idea. Yeah. So you you just you create some standardized query object, you know, something declarative, uh, check attributes. You can have very standardized rules, and that can be part of your uh, authorization. Absolutely. You know, and policy. you can treat the query as if it was just a document and you're mm-hmm. just checking to see if all the right pieces are on it. Right. Right. Which, again, is a great idea until the right pieces are very expensive or right. difficult to create. Well, hopefully, I mean, if you've, if you've abstracted out that, that query object, you can, you can just keep adding attributes to it and it can get more, you know, your rules don't need to know anything about the underlying domain. They can just be rules about how you construct a query using this this standardized query object that you're going to be passing around. No one can see this, but there's a skeptical scowl. <laughs> I'm trying to poke holes in it. I mean, I think that what you're saying you is You can't. Totally, it's brilliant. It's genius. <laughs> I think it's fantastic until it's expensive to construct the query, yeah. at which point you don't want to do it twice because yeah. you have to do it twice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Authorization is one of those things where you know I read a lot of articles and there's 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 uh, a lot of opinions on the right way to do it. There's not a lot of opinions, but there. Uh, we talk about your NIST your NIST document. No, yeah, I'll talk about that in a second. But, okay. but but one thing one thing that that always strikes me is is that you know 
you you develop a battle plan for the right way to to do authorization and separate your code and that that battle plan disintegrates once you meet the enemy which is the code you just wrote as soon as you meet the enemy yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right there's the great uh, there's a great thing of like the two frame comic thing and it's like on the left hand side it's like a dude with a foundation of a house and some tools and uh-huh. like the frames like all right this time i'm going to do everything right i know i'm going to write all the tests it's all going to be beautiful perfect code fully architected I'm going to, and like the next frame over, it's like this house with like four things hanging off and like a tree house <laughs> attached and like a leaning over second story and like all of the things. And the caption is just like, oh no, I've done it again. <laughs> Why does that always happen? It does always happen. Yeah. Oh, but okay. So the NIST thing you were talking about is I, um, there is a, um, I think we mentioned in a previous podcast uh role-based access control where you you give you know you give access to resources based on your role and maybe some other attributes um there there's a there's another schema there are lots of schemas for how to do authorization but one of them that i find really interesting is attribute based access control and this is actually a nist standard um yeah, the National Institutes of Standards and Technologies wrote this big long paper on on how to do ac- uh, access control. It's also a good acronym. NIST. Abac. 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 Yeah. Abacus. No. No. There's no us. Yeah. Well, there's a we in it. There oh. You go. Um, and 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 they do more than just well, the, the big difference between uh, attribute backed asset can. Uh, Access control. I can speak English really again. And role-based access control is that um, there's a greater emphasis on pulling attributes from the requester, the user, the resource, uh, the action that's 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 being requested, and the environment. Basically, you know, time of day, status of the the server, things like that. And using um, rules based on all the attributes you can pull from that. You know, who you are, maybe roles. Um, what team you belong to, what time of day it is, maybe, you know, the server's down for maintenance, stuff like that, and then making a decision based on those. And if you think about it, when when people do role-based access control, they're really doing attribute-based access control because a lot of times you combine, like, you're an admin for a blog. Well, you're an admin, that's your role, but also you belong to a particular blog. Yeah, and, I mean, a role's just an attribute, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah and the, you, can, you can treat it that way. Right. Um but the, the NIST standard itself goes even further than that. It has um, uh, it, it kind of lays out an architecture for for different um, different subsystems. So there's a there's a, a policy enforcement point, um, which is the first thing that your request hits when it when it when it goes through your system. The policy enforcement point is to gather that inf- uh, 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 initial information and uh, send that to the policy decision point. So that initial information is who you are and what you're trying to do and to what. Um, uh, the, the policy decision point says, okay, well, Alan wants to you know, edit a cat picture. Uh, I'm going to send a request to another part of the system called the policy information point, and that's role is to gather up all the stuff that Alan requested, you know, the cat picture and information about it and, you know, information about Alan and information about the environment and send that back to the um, policy decision point whereupon the policy decision point say, well, I got this policy. It says Alan is not allowed to edit any more cat pictures after the last time. We all know what happens when we let Alan edit cat pictures. So I'm going to deny it. 
Well, I mean, I'm allowed to edit like three cat pictures no, a day, right? Not anymore. No, none. No, no. Oh, we've man. learned our lesson. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and it's a really neat way of kind of separating out all these various functions of an authorization system. You know, you've got something that is in charge of, you know, telling you yes or no, and something that's in charge of making that decision, like applying the policies that you write, something that's in charge of going out and gathering the resources you want to edit, which is nice because, you know, if, you know, if you are allowed to edit cat pictures, you've already, you know, hit the database and gathered that information. Um, and, and one of the reasons they, they, they pull all these pieces out is that, you know, one of the goals of this standard is to be able to take a, a an access control system and federate it. And so you, you know, this is a government standard. So they want, they want, um, you know, bureaucrat in the treasury department to be able to authenticate against, uh, you know, a server in Kansas city, uh, and, and do that efficiently. Um, and so it's kind of a neat way of, of, you know, there's a lot in this, this standard, um, but it's kind of a neat way of, of organizing that whole process. Yeah, that is neat. Um, I, I actually could see some of my authorization code being refactored into something that more closely resembles this. I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. doing all of those things, right? Right. But I'm not creating the boundaries, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and segmenting that way. Uh, Is there like a set of, say, packages or conventions or or whatever as a starting point for how that segmentation normally occurs? Not, I mean, not for... uh, there are a couple libraries, and I think that they're they're kind of new. Uh, a couple libraries for Node. I'm really talking about Node. There are definitely enterprise grade um, attribute based access control products that you can buy if you are a big company uh, or if you are a government. Those those exist, and those uh, I, I can't remember the names of the companies that make them, but there are. You know, XML-based languages to help you write policies, and there are they're, they're big problems. You know, that's enterprise-grade stuff. Mm. But if you read the standard, mm. I mean, all of this stuff is things that you and I could could use in our day-to-day lives. These concepts, like, at, like using attributes of things rather than just relying on roles and a couple of attributes, but really focusing on collecting attributes or Separating separating out the, the various um, uh, roles of an of a of a of an authorization system and 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 you know putting those explicitly in our architecture so that those that code is separated out. I mean that would be helpful uh, even if we're not building you know enterprise grade well, things. Well, yeah. having explained my permission structure to new developers a few times. Uh, it could benefit with uh, some better, better boundary points. Uh, I mean, it does all the things it's supposed to do, yeah. and uh, it's a sort of complex permission structure. Um, and there's some there's some good choices that were made along the way um, mm-hmm. about how to be able to, with just the user roles, be able to get all of the complicated permissions in a single database query without having to do double yeah. database queries and stuff. Yeah, but. Uh, it could probably do with some reorganization to make it adhere to any sort of documentations and standards that make sense. So yeah. uh, I, I, I see that in my future. Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
I think that, that, that it's such a neat concept. I, I think that we should, at some point in the future, come back to attribute-based ac- access control. Maybe, maybe play around with trying to write a library to, to help that out. Ooh, that sounds like we're promising a future like GitHub repository slash screencast. There is no promise being made here, not implied. I'm just saying, wouldn't it be neat if we were on top of things and we did that? And if we did... Check the future show notes. Yeah. (laughs) um, For possibly a... (laughs) It's just, it's it's a neat way of organizing things. It's, it's, I I like the fact that it's taking what you're doing anyway with role-based access control. That's true. And just saying, "Eh, we're we're really just looking at attributes. Let's just, you know, pull the, pull the sheet away. And I love the segmentation of, uh, when you show me the things, there's like, there's the attributes on the user. You Mm -hmm. call it, it was called a profile person. Yeah. Start with the P. Um, and then there was also attributes of like environment, which we were like what time of day it is and stuff. Right, right. Um, and as soon as you said what time of day it is, uh, my current stuff doesn't need time of day, but I'm imagining like the Wi-Fi router that you have in your house, right? Like it mm-hmm. turns on and off. It can turn on and off at certain times a day and certain MAC addresses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as you branch out your permission structure to in- include lots of different things, it's nice to have those boundary points of like, oh, I'm going to go get all of these types of details from this one system. I'm going to get all of these types of details from this one system or ensure that they're there, right? right? And then given all of those setup steps, I will apply a policy generically across all of Or like I will ha- have various policies that can be applied based on types, Yeah. right? Having a language and a glossary for those complex systems is great because um, if you don't have it, you're making up a glossary the next time you explain it to somebody else, right? It might work right, but it's difficult to know where the parts and pieces are. Yeah, yeah. And it's a national standard. How cool is that? I'm, I'm sure it's it's wonderful. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of national standards that I don't like. Yeah, name one. Oh, uh, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm sure there must be one. Um, Oh, well, the imperial system. The imperial system. I was yeah. trying to think of the right name for that. I was going to say feet and inches, but that, that's not the right word. Yeah, that word. That would, that would have led me. Yeah, there. that's true. Yeah. Um, oh, and programming. I mean, honestly, I don't like XML very much. No. Like, it works. I can use it, but I kind of don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. JSON or uh, YAML is, is my preferred structured data of choice. I always mess up YAML. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, objects, and objects and lint and, and uh, objects and lists. Yeah, I always confuse them. Yeah, they're not that bad. Um, truthfully, Markdown is structured data format. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's very nice. I think that we are off topic. True. True. Um, okay, topic: authentication, authorization. We did some good authorization stuff. Yeah, where are we? Oh, we're at thirty minutes. I Don't look good. at that shit. We gotta edit that shit down. Yeah, I'm sure but, we had all kinds I of. I mean, most of that though. conversation was freaking gold. That's true. A lot of it was pretty good. Yeah, I'm gonna have to edit all the chair squeaks out. Oh yeah, yeah. We need different chairs. Uh, we were expressly not in squeaky chairs last time, so that we didn't get chair squeaks. Right. Yeah. This is my fault. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of comfy. You know what? We have a Trello board with notes. Let's at least look through those notes and see if there's anything else to add. All right? Yeah. Don't be a hater. 
I even have it on my bookmark bar, which is very rare for me. Hey, all right. Um, so we could talk about Passport. We could talk about um, authentication security next level, uh, rate limiting, input validation, fuzz testing, CAPTCHAs. Might be worth talking about CAPTCHAs, even though they're old news. We could talk about, um, oh, we just talked about authorization structure. That's good. We did a real good job on that. Um, pat ourselves on the back. No, I kind of like the, I mean, do you think we're going to edit it down to like 10 minutes? Because even if it's... No, I think we're probably pretty good, but but let's see. Password policies we can talk about is kind of boring. Yeah. Like it's like yeah. we're talking about this one thing and I'm thinking that if we keep, if we talk about a subject and then go... Jump over jump to somewhere over, else. It's, it's, it's just... No. It's more boring. You're good. Yeah. You're good. All right, well, I... I, I think we're good for, for this episode. I want to thank everyone for listening for third time or first time. Who knows how many times you're listen, you've listened to us. That's your, An advanced user may have just skipped ahead and said, I don't need all that other stuff. Right. Yeah. Or someone could have clicked on us by accident and is like, why am I doing this? That's true. And maybe a very novice user still listened to this episode and hopefully got something out of the discussion. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, I had fun. I had fun too. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll come back with a, this is the third episode on authorization and authentication. So we're going to pick a new topic for, for next time. And we'll come back with three episodes of uh, targeting different levels of development. And we're just going to discuss, you know, our experience with the, those topics and how we each hit problems and, and overcome them. And uh, hopefully that'll be helpful for you. Yeah. High fives. High fives. Bye.